Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Industry Focus. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, February 21st, and this is part two of our discussion on the Brookfield family of companies. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Motley Fool contributor Matt DeLalo via Skype. How you doing, Matt? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk today about two more uh, Brookfield Asset Management subsidiaries. That's Brookfield Infrastructure Partners and Brookfield Renewable Partners. First, let's start off talking about Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. This is a company that uh, went public in 2008. You know, came out from from the Brookfield Asset Management uh, parent company, and it's one of the largest owners and operators of infrastructure assets in the world, as the name Brookfield Infrastructure Partners might tell you. Matt, what type of infrastructure does Brookfield uh, Infrastructure Partners invest in, and where in the world are they allocating their capital? Sure. Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with what infrastructure is, it, it's kind of the underlying um, uh, structure of the economy. So it's anything from railroads to pipelines to electricity poles. So it's it's those things that we tend not to see unless they they cause problems. So Brookfield really casts a wide net. They have four businesses, uh, one's utilities, and that's you know distributing electricity, and natural gas to customers. Then they have energy, which um, it's pipelines, it's natural gas storage, it's um, dis, um, district energy, which is in cities where uh, you'll have a couple of um, buildings connected and they'll have a connected energy system. And um, then they have transportation, which is ports, rail, and um, toll roads. And finally, we've got commute data infrastructure, and that's where your cell towers and your um, data center. So, really a broad range, and they're invested all over the world. Yeah, and what's great about all these infrastructure assets is that they really put out predictable cash flows. You get for <coughs> any of these, you, you're getting capital based on the amount uh, or the volume of use that, that your customers are using them. So, so, for a pipeline, for example, the more natural gas or oil uh, that flows through your pipeline, the more you get paid. And and for for something like natural gas, what we've d- discussed on this show, you got to get the gas to the market. So it, you're going to get a c- continual cash flows. It really makes uh, their cash flows really predictable, which is great for a business like this that that tends to lean more towards an income uh, a type of strategy. Can you talk about what those steady cash flows really do when it comes to the reliability of the dividend and the way you can really count on that as an investor? Yeah, because uh, there's long-term contracts, especially in the natural gas pipelines, Brookfield knows what's going to come in. Uh, and even in some of the more economically sensitive businesses, like a, a toll road where you know they're dependent on volumes of cars passing through, which will decline when there's a recession, they, there's still a predictability in that. So you know they, they have that predictability of cash flow from those. And then they also have as you mentioned, the volume growth. As the economy grows, more cars will go on their, their toll roads and more oil um, or, or natural gas will flow through their pipelines. So then there's that GDP um, linkage where you'll, you'll see the income go up. And um, so that really gives them the solid base of cash flow that they can pay out in their distribution. And they target about 70% um, to pay out 
Um, and you know, it's a pretty conservative rate that gives them some money to invest in some expansion projects. Um, so it's a, it's a really good way to play infrastructure, especially if you're an income focused investor. Yeah, and they and they have a really strong track record. So, uh, from what I've seen, you know, they they hold their average investment for about eight years, and they generate an internal rate of return above twenty percent on average, which which is really uh, a really strong rate of return. And when you think about the way uh, the way the business grows, it is predominantly through acquisitions, as we as we mentioned, their their cash flows for for the infrastructure that they own are going to be pretty stable over time. So they're going to grow by buying an asset at a reasonable price. Holding it for their holding period, and then selling it for more than they bought it for, and then reinvesting that capital, rinse and repeat. Uh, is that is that a, is that a fair characterization of the way the business tends to operate? Yeah, that's exactly what they're they're trying to do. And because they're ten years old, a lot of the assets that they initially had, they they sold them out, and they're there's they're entering another period where they're starting to sell assets that they've hold, held for several years. Um, they had a. A electricity electricity distribution um, business in Chile that they sold last year for 1.1 billion dollars, and they had held it for years and years and years. But it had gotten to the point where it really maximized all the value out of it. It was only going to grow uh, by about one to two percent a year based on the inflation that they were expecting. So it kind of topped out, and so you know it was a good time to sell and then to take that cash and. They've ended up, I think they're up to six or seven acquisitions that they have in the pipeline um, to kind of replace that. So that's that's their business model is, you know, let's maximize it and then we'll buy something else that's kind of earlier in the business cycle. Yeah, Matt, and they've kind of changed their strategy maybe over the past year or so, where in the past they maybe had relied <laughs> a little bit more on debt to fund their acquisitions, whereas the management has really been open about talking about how they really want to transition from that model more towards self-funding growth, as you mentioned, by, by kind of recycling their assets through the pipeline. And as we look into the results uh, uh, from, from 2018, uh, there the, was kind of a go-forward year when it came, came to shifting that strategy. Shares only were, were down about 1% over the year, and when you adjust uh, uh, funds from operations uh, to a per-unit basis, they were basically flat. So, can you talk about how the company is absorbing or adjusting to this change in the way that they fund their acquisitions, and how investors should think about that going forward into 2019? Yeah, so Brookfield, you mentioned that they use debt, debt, and then equity, and part of what they're they're trying to get away from is issuing equity because that dilutes investors, and the market just hasn't been as open to new equity issuances from income type. Entities, MLPs have been hit very, very hard by the energy thing. So, and then a lot of it has to do with rising interest rates. It just there isn't the investor interest in buying equity. So, Brookfield used to be able to issue equity, no problem, um, you know, to make acquisitions. But because they're so value focused, they look at the value of their equity, and it it wasn't appealing to issue it anymore. Um, however, um, the value of their assets. It, to others, they could sell that for a premium and then reinvest that. So that's kind of how they've decided to shift. Now that hurt them last year, as you mentioned, on a per unit basis. Um, funds from operation barely budged. However, um, you know that was almost entirely due to selling an asset, which they're sub- subsequently um, reinvesting into several businesses. It should grow FFO by 
about 20% going forward. So it's kind of like they, they're, they're literally shifting gears. They slow down so that they can reaccelerate with this new business model. And that should make them less susceptible to, you know, market crashes like we saw back in December where, you know, if they had a deal that they wanted to fund, it wouldn't have been as attractive if they had to do it as a market selling off. Yeah, Matt, and let's talk about as you know, we're we're talking about the the business has transitioned. They're they're really starting to recycle their assets through, and and let's talk about where Brookfield is really seeing opportunities to redeploy its capital and infrastructure. And one of the places they really called out as a significant opportunity for them, you mentioned MLPs and pipelines. That's a place that Brookfield really finds attractive. Uh, back in October, they closed their acquisition of Enbridge's Western Canadian natural gas gathering and processing business. That was a large acquisition that really, really uh, increased their position uh, in the natural gas pipeline business. Can you talk about that acquisition and then more broadly how Brookfield looks at the, the gas distribution pipeline business as an opportunity for them to grow? Yeah, so as you kind of hinted at, the, the energy market downturn in recent years has really made it hard for. Uh, MLPs and pipeline companies like Enbridge to sell equity to fund growth. So they've turned to selling assets and um, Brookfield had an opportunity to buy really one of the best um, gathering and processing businesses out in Western Canada. And what gathering processes, if, if they basically take the natural gas from the wellhead and then they separate the natural gas liquids from the gas and, you know, they make money based on by fees um, from the, the producers pay them fees to do this. So very stable cash flow, lots of growth out there. The shale place called the Montanay. We don't know it much here in the States, but it's a very um, fast growing um, shale play out in Canada, lots of natural gas liquids. And so it, there's an, an, a lot of growth opportunity out there as Canada finally um, starts exporting natural gas in a couple of years and shell um, finishes their plant. And then the natural gas liquids, they can, can use those. They make petrochemicals and other things with those. So it's an opportunity to participate in that growth out there. And then, you know, kind of more broadly, as we mentioned, investors just aren't buying MLPs and pipelines anymore. Um, with interest rates rising, there's other competition like CDs. And then we had, you know, just the market for MLPs to just uh, tank. So there's just that investor fear of, you know, investing in those type of assets. So um, it's opened the door for Brookfield to uh, to start looking and hunting for new deals, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they um, have a couple more this year. It's a huge market opportunity. They've they've said it's about 150 billion dollars over the next couple of years, um, just from asset acquisitions and then helping MLPs kind of recapitalize. So lots of opportunities for them out there. Right, and Brookfield has really positioned their balance sheet to put them in a position to really start deploying capital throughout the next year. So, so management has mentioned over the past year they've raised eight hundred million dollars in debt and preferred equity, as well as refinanced one point five billion dollars in debt to put them in a position where they don't have where management has said quote they don't have any maturities to worry about for the next five years. They have $3.5 billion in liquidity available right now, in addition to whatever asset sales they may, they may undergo uh, to, to, to raise more capital and redeploy that. So, as you look forward into the growth opportunities for Brookfield, I mentioned they, they have a balance sheet that puts them in a position to redeploy their capital. How bullish are you on the growth opportunities for Brookfield Infrastructure Partners looking out over the next few years? 
I'm really excited about them. Um, and what's what's exciting about them? What we kind of haven't talked about yet is Brookfield doesn't bake bank bake acquisitions into their their growth forecast. They think they can uh, grow their funds from operations by um, six to nine percent per year, and that's all organic. That's um, volume growing on their um, through their ports and it's inflation linked contracts and their natural gas pipelines. And then there's this third aspect of expansion projects. They have a bunch of expansion projects all around the world. They're, um, they're working with Kinder Morgan on a natural gas pipeline um, in uh, the, the Gulf Coast. And then they've got some projects on their um, cell towers out in France. So they have a lot of these organic growth projects. And so you, you have those that should give you that steady growth in the next couple of years. And then you have the added kicker of these, this value kind of uplift as they sell assets. You know, we mentioned the uh, electricity transmission business that they thought that was only going to grow about two to 3% a year. So they sell that and they buy six businesses that should grow um, by a mid single digit rate. So you're getting a faster organic growth rate from that. Plus, you know, the uplift in, um, just the earnings from selling, you know, uh, um, one business and, and buying these other ones that are they're getting for a better price. So I think it could do, um, you know, maybe a double-digit um, total return when you add in the dividend um, going forward. So it's a, you know, you're not talking about doubling in the next year or so, but you're talking about if you hold this for several years, you should do very well. Yeah, you're you're gonna have more cash after holding Brookfield Infrastructure Partners than you did before you bought into the company, and I, and I think that's what you're looking for for an investment. And Brookfield really can can uh, reliably give you that, and has a track record to prove that. Um, mm-hmm. After after the break, after after a message from our sponsors, we're gonna talk about Brookfield Renewable Partners. But first, making that perfect hire can set your team up for success in the new year. But where do you find that person? That's why when it comes to posting your job, go where you have access to an engaged community that people visit every day. That's LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members aren't checking job boards regularly, but 9 out of 10 LinkedIn members are open to and interested in new opportunities like yours. With most of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com fool and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com fool. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Matt, let's talk a little bit about Brookfield Renewable Partners. Uh, this is another, another obviously, Brookfield subsidiary launched in 2011. And as the name may indicate, they invest in renewable energy assets. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how, how the Brookfield Renewable business is structured and how they make money? Yeah, so Brookfield's kind of core business is hydropower. Um, that, that's kind of what they their foundation is and they've gotten into wind and then more recently they've they've added some solar through they they acquired um a stake in terraform power and terraform global which are um two um renewable companies focused on wind and solar so now they kind of have that full um renewable platform so um what's different about brookfield though than um like a, a utility is that they sell this power to utilities under long-term contracts. So they'll generate steady cash flow as you know the electricity is generated out of their, their um, hydropower. They're getting paid a steady rate, and that insulates them from um, power prices, which can fluctuate based on demand. 
So you've got that steady cash flow coming in, and um, it, that's what I think makes them uh, an interesting way, uh, way to play renewables. <clears throat> sure, and, and you mentioned they're mostly hydropower. I think about three quarters of their assets, of Brookfield Renewables assets, are, are allocated towards hydroelectric power. They really like uh, the opportunity there because it has a really long, useful life. Once you once you get uh, the dam uh, in place to generate power, the capital cost to maintain it uh, are relatively low. And another thing that they mention, which which I find interesting, and it ties into some discussions we've had previously on the show, is that they're able to match power supply with demand. So you talk about solar and wind. Uh, there can be some issues with with demand uh, for power not lining up to maybe when the sun is shining or where the wind's blowing. But when you when it comes to hydropower, uh, you can really regulate that because you can just stop water flowing through the dam uh, uh, to to line things up with demand. Uh, so they really have focused in hydro uh, for for a long period of time. But over the past few years, as you mentioned, they've started moving more into wind and solar. And and management has said. The reason they stayed away from wind and solar for the longest time was because the economics didn't make sense, or it wasn't a clear path to profitability to acquiring these assets. However, in the past few years, as prices for these systems have started to come down, uh, they've really started to push into into those assets. And I think that's that's a another case uh, of indicating just the way Brookfield thinks about uh, investing in in uh, in assets. It's it's not that hey the demand for this is going to go over time. It's how can I make a cash return. On this investment, and I, I want to talk. We talked about how this this Terraform investment has really moved them uh, into solar energy in a meaningful way, where where they maybe hadn't been before. And this Terraform acquisition really lines up with with those other acquisitions we talked about in part one uh, uh, last week. They bought the Terraform Power out of bankruptcy uh, uh, from Sun Sun Edison. Can you talk about how that transaction shook out and, and what advantages that gave to Brookfield being able to to buy a distressed asset like like Terraform? Yeah, it lines up with Brookfield um, asset management's kind of overarching goals to buy for value. You know, they'll they'll target something and they'll they'll kind of keep an eye out until they see something of value. Um, but it also needs to be substantial enough to provide them a platform. So they saw an opportunity when Sun Edison went bankrupt to kind of take over their yield codes. And um, so they, they pounced on that opportunity and um, they took um, Terraform Global Private and um, they have uh, a sizable stake in Terraform Power. And that gives them that that platform and wind and solar that they, they can expand and They've been able to help Terraform Power expand significantly since they took it over. They uh, bought a stake, or they bought a, a Spanish uh, wind and solar company last year, and um, so that expanded them into Western Europe. and And that's kind of their goal going forward is to be able to expand this business. Yeah, I saw from that acquisition they doubled the annualized cash flows for Terraform Power. It really helped them with capital structure. They were able to help them get out of some unfavorable financing covenants and really put them in a position to generate stable cash flows over time. It's just another example of how when Brookfield buys these assets, they really know how to position them them well, not just for the value that they have when they acquire them, but what steps can we take after we acquire this asset to really increase increase its value even further? Um, another thing they're moving into, which I, another thing I found interesting, is they're moving into energy storage. When, when you talk about renewable energy, uh, you know, I, I mentioned lining up lining up uh, supply of energy with demand. Energy storage really helps with that when you're looking at wind and solar. 
Do you think do you think that is a significant opportunity for Brookfield, or is that just more peripheral to the other assets they they own? How how should we think about the energy storage part of their investments? I do think that it's going to be important for renewable growth overall uh, to be able to have storage that's that's cheap enough to make it um, economically viable. And um, one of the companies that's really kind of on the forefront of that is NextEra Energy, and they um, actually just signed a deal with the utility to um, do wind, solar, and storage at the same location. Yeah, Matt, another, another thing that I really found interesting about what Brookfield Renewable is doing is they're expanding their investments into energy storage. You know, We've talked about on this show in the past, and it relates to what I said earlier uh, on the hydroelectric assets, uh, when it comes to the ability to line up uh, renewable energy supply with demand for, for energy production assets like, like wind and solar, that you know, only produce power when the sun's blow when the when the, excuse me when when the sun <laughs> is out or or the wind is blowing. Uh, do you see the energy storage opportunity as one of significance uh, for Brookfield Renewable? And, and how should investors think about that uh, when they think about this investment? Yeah, I do think it's a significant step for them because, as you mentioned, the intermittent intermittency of renewables has been kind of a, a drag on growth for that, and it's been something that. Those that are against it have kind of pointed out that you know we, we need this baseline power. So uh, it does take companies to invest in these um, and to add them now. Uh, and so it's good to see the, them you know making these investments. <clears throat> and I do think we're going to see a lot more of that going forward, not only from Brookfield but from others in the industry. Um, Next Era Energy is one that has kind of been on the forefront of uh, energy storage and. Uh, they recently signed an interesting deal with a utility out in um, the West Coast where they're building a, a huge energy facility that'll include wind, solar, and storage. So, you know, if the sun's not shining, it'd probably be windy. And if it's not windy and the sun's not shining, they'll have that energy storage component. And, uh, you know, so I think that's going to be something that we'll see a lot more of where they're going to add in this energy storage and, um, Next Air Energy CEO was kind of clear that the way the cost curve has kind of come and the way technology has improved that within a decade, and I'm probably, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing his quote because I don't have it offhand, but within a decade, uh, when you add in energy storage to wind and solar, and this is without government um, incentives, it should be lower than all forms of power other than. Um, natural gas uh, on a high efficiency um, system. So that was a bold statement, but it's definitely the the direction that the industry is heading in, and you know that's really exciting. Um, you know, with climate change worries and just getting rid of emissions in general, um, to see that happening. So it's exciting. Yeah, and for a company like Brookfield, it shows that there's opportunities to make profit on these investments today, which is why we're seeing them start to move move into the space, particularly with wind and solar. Let's talk a little bit about Brookfield Renewables' yield. I think that that's one of the most attractive parts about this this business. It yields almost seven percent, and and when you talk about the energy assets they have, their cash flows are are really predictable because you know. The, Particularly with the renewable energy, the sun is going to keep coming out, the wind's going to keep blowing, and the rivers are going to keep flowing to, to power these these hydro assets. So when you when you look at this dividend, uh, how attractive is it to you as an investor, and what prospects uh, might we have for it to continue to increase over time? 
Yeah, I'm a, a very much of an income-focused investor, and it's because dividends tend companies that increase their dividends. Put it that way. Um, the data has shown that they tend to outperform all other companies. So anytime I see a company that, that pays an attractive dividend that they have clear visibility to increase it, that's gonna you know catch my eye. And then you know you add in the renewables, and you know it just makes this such an attractive long-term holding for really any investor that. Um, you know, you're going to need income eventually. So um, whether, you know, you're quite a ways away from retirement like I am, it's still, I can reinvest that into other opportunities. But, um, you know, so you're looking at an investment that's going to pay very steady cash flow. It's going to increase. Um, I think they just raised it 5% for this coming year. And they have clear visibility to continue to raise it because they can uh, sign up, um, higher price contracts for the power as um, you know contracts expire and then they're developing new um, wind and hydro projects and um, solar around the world and then acquisition so you have kind of three or four growth drivers of this company that's gonna take that dividend up and up and up <clears throat> yeah and if you look out over time I think throughout its history as a business it's delivered an annual total return that's taking into account the dividend of 15% over time which really if you can give me a 15% compounded annual uh, uh, return that that really over time is gonna is going to compound your wealth in a significant way uh, let's talk a little bit about Brookfield Renewables balance sheet we, we got another question uh, from listener Noel Sayers about that saying he, he's really been staying away from Brookfield Renewable. Uh, both because he, he sees them as having having a, a heavy debt load on their balance sheet, as well as as we mentioned on, on the the uh, part one of this Brookfield discussion that you can listen to uh, last week, that he's concerned about the, the fees that Brookfield Asset Management charges to the Brookfield Renewable subsidiary. So we we already covered the, the question about about the the management fees. You can go back and listen to our episode last week if you want to hear about that. But when you look at Brookfield Renewables balance sheet, do you have concerns over the level of debt that they are carrying today? I don't because Brookfield structures its debt um, to investment grade ratings, and they also do it on typically on the asset level or on the business level. Um, they own several uh, operating businesses. We mentioned Terraform Power; they own a big stake in that, so you factor in Terraform's debt. And then they own um, a business out in Ireland, and they own one out in um, I believe it's Colombia. And so the debt's at those levels, those, uh, those business levels, those asset levels. So it's non-recourse to Brookfield, which means if those one of those businesses goes bankrupt, uh, they would restructure that business, and it wouldn't have any impact on Brookfield. So you know you have that debt down at those levels. It's all investment grade, um, how they they structure it. So in this case, Brookfield looks for um, three times EBITDA. Which is, uh, you know, for a business that's generating very stable cash flow to have a debt level that, that's pretty low. Um, so I'm not really worried about them. I, I actually like the fact that they have an investment grade balance sheet. And for me, that's a stamp of approval to say that, you know, somebody that's a lot smarter than me on credit um, believes that this is a, a solid, um, you know, from a, a credit standpoint. And, and what an investment grade balance sheet really means is that when, uh, uh, a downturn comes. This is a company that should still be able to pay its bills, and so that that's uh, something that I'm very comfortable with. 
Yeah, and it, as well, it allows Brookfield to raise debt at lower interest rates. And when you talk about the ability that they have to allocate their capital in a way to, to uh, drive attractive returns, if you can, say, raise debt at 3 or 4% and then reinvest that, uh, they invest that capital at 7 or 8%, uh, that's a really good position to be in as an asset uh, allocating uh, business. Uh, when we think about uh, where Brookfield Renewable is going to be going forward, their opportunities to continue expanding over time, uh, what opportunities do you see there for the business? And, and how excited are you about the opportunities in renewable, uh, both for the Brookfield, but then in general across the broader market? Uh, it was a third quarter shareholder letter that Brookfield put out, and I highly recommend reading any of Brookfield's um, shareholder letters because there's always some nugget in there that just, you know, kind of mind blowing. And um, this one in particular, the the CEO of Brookfield Renewable said that it's a, a ten trillion dollar opportunity in renewables to basically wean the global economy off of fossil fuels, and that's only in the markets that Brookfield operates in, which are big markets, you know, the United States, Canada. Those um, you know big developed countries, but that just shows you the size of the opportunity for them to invest capital, and with them investing it on a value basis, um, there's just going to be really good opportunities for them because they'll look the weight um, for situations like a terraform where they can scoop it up for you know really good valuations. Um, so I'm very excited about what they can do. They think they can invest probably 700. Million, uh, billion dollar, I'm sorry, million dollars a year, um, just in acquisitions, and that'll grow over time as their cash flow grows. So, it's it's one of the most exciting for me um, renewables out there. Yeah, because when when you look at renewables, uh, the way they're positioned to grow over time, <laughs> as I've continued to mention, the ability of Brookfield's uh, executives to allocate capital in a very prudent way that's going to generate returns over time. It's really an attractive way to, to get exposure to renewables in, in a space that sometimes can be difficult to find opportunities that both give you that give you a strong risk ad, risk adjusted return. You know, when you look at maybe solar panel makers over time, they've really been tough companies to own for investors. Brookfield gives you a way to get exposure to those really important trends in a way that you can really sleep at night, which I, I find really attractive as an investor. What do you think, Matt? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been burned. Um, to use a pun on solar panel makers several times. Um, so this is one of the few times that I, I've actually made money on renewables. So I, I'm excited for that to continue. Yeah, Matt. And before we go away, you know, over these over these last two episodes, we we've discussed Brookfield Asset Management, Brookfield Property Partners, Business Partners, Infrastructure. Uh, the the entire family of Brookfield companies. As you look out at this potential basket of investments, um, are there any of them that particularly stand out to you? Uh, as if I could only if I only had a certain amount of capital to invest, this would be the one that I would I would I would invest in. How do you think about choosing between uh, uh, this entire family of businesses uh, to invest in? Well, I think if if I was an investor just starting out and um, I would go with Brookfield Asset Management for two reasons. One, you get the whole, you know, the whole the whole pie. You get the renewables, you get the infrastructure, you get the property, um, and, and then um, you also don't have to deal with those Schedule K ones that we mentioned um, in last week's episode. Um, so it's a, it's a much easier uh, investment for somebody to make in a retirement account, for example. So that's where I would start. And you know, but if somebody wanted to, you know, wanted specifically exposure to renewables or property, then I would look more 
at the um, the subsidiaries, especially if you were more income focused. But if you're just if you're younger and looking for a retirement um, option, Brookfield Asset Management would be the top one I'd buy. Awesome, Matt. I would probably agree with you there. Just the simplicity from a tax <coughs> point of view, the exposure across all the family of businesses. I find really attractive. I will say Brookfield Renewable is something that, that does appear very attractive to me. I like the way they've allocated assets. You just mentioned how big the total market opportunity is. But I think you really can't go wrong with anybody in the, these family of companies. It really, check a lot of the boxes that you're looking for uh, as an investor. So, so definitely a, a company that, that I think our listeners uh, should pay attention to, both the parent as well as all the subsidiaries. Matt, I want to thank you for coming on uh, these past couple episodes. I really, really hope we we shared some some valuable information for our listeners. Thanks for having me. Awesome, Matt. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Rick Engdahl and Dan Boyd for their work behind the glass. For Matt DeLalo, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!